Welcome to Hebrew Bible Insights, a podcast about making sense of the Hebrew Bible. I'm your host, Matthew Delaney. In this episode, we talk about one of my favorite books of the Hebrew Bible, Exodus. This one's big. There's so much gold here. But unfortunately, uh, based on how this book is often preached or how it's portrayed in movies, we only experience part of the story. For many of us, we only we only think about maybe about 38% of the story. That's like watching 45 minutes of a two-hour movie and calling it good. And there's so much more to the story. And whenever we, we think of the whole movie, if you will, we think of the whole story, this gives us the perspective that we need to understand the major some of the major themes of the book. There's no way that I cover everything today, but there are just three ideas that we miss if we only read if we only read the first part of the book. So uh, without further ado, let's dive into today's episode. Hey, before we officially dive into today's conversation, uh, I just really want to quick say a thank you to all of you who listen and share this podcast. Uh, it means the world to me. And again, whenever you're sharing this stuff, just know you, that anyone can find this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. It doesn't matter what device you're listening on, there's a way to listen. And if any of you, for some reason, feel led to, um, to support financially, you can find me on Patreon at Hebrew Bible Insights. And if you want to connect more, you can find me on Facebook at Hebrew Bible Insights. If you like and follow the page, you'll stay up with all the updates and all the newest episodes. So anyhow, uh, thank you guys so much. Love having you get to listen, and uh, let's go ahead and dive into uh, today's conversation. Hey everyone, welcome back to Hebrew Bible Insights. I'm excited for today's conversation. You know, we're going to talk about uh, one of the most popular stories of the Hebrew Bible. It's one of the most famous. In fact, I believe it's DreamWorks that made a really amazing animated movie of this, The Exodus. That movie was fantastic. If you haven't seen it, totally worth watching. The music's really, really good. Excellent, excellent singers and voice actors. The animation was revolutionary whenever it came out. Great movie. Of course, there's also a much older movie about Moses and um, you know, in the 60s that I watched whenever I was in high school uh, in my Bible class. The story of Exodus, Moses, it's one of the most famous ancient stories that people are probably familiar with, at least part of it. And today, we're going to talk, we can't talk about the whole story because it's a big one. But here, here's how I want to begin this conversation. I want you to imagine that you're going to go watch a two-hour movie with someone uh, at a movie theater or your house, wherever. You're, watching a, you're, you're going to watch a great movie together, and you're, you guys are both excited to see it. And then one of your friends, 45 minutes into the two-hour movie, says, Oh, man, great movie. That was awesome. All right, I'll see you guys next week. What would you think if they just left 45 minutes into the two-hour movie? Unfortunately, this is what many Christians do with the book of Exodus is we leave 45 minutes into the movie. We leave after chapter 15. So the animated movie about the Exodus that I referred to earlier, fantastic movie, right? Really great. But the movie ends basically whenever they cross over through the, uh, through the sea. And that's chapter 15. And then they're done. They do give a very quick picture of Moses holding Ten Commandments, but that's basically it. And I think that even though we realize there's more to that story, I think oftentimes the way that this this the Exodus is preached at churches and the way that we view this story, we basically act as if that's the only part that exists. So 
This creates a problem, as you can imagine, with any movie. If you've only seen 45% of the story, 45 minutes of a two-hour movie, which is about like 38% of a movie, if you've only seen like 38% of a story, how could we say we know what the whole story is about? And if we really think that it's over, we start making decisions that are incomplete. So let's just dive in. Let's break this up. So the part of the story that we're probably all familiar with is that the problem is that the Hebrew people are slaves. They're being mistreated. They're slaves to Pharaoh in Egypt. And we know that God raises up Moses. Moses goes in with Aaron, and there are these amazing uh, signs and miracles and plagues that happen, and ten of them, and then finally Pharaoh lets the people go, and they start leaving, but they but Pharaoh changes his mind. He goes to chase them out. God parts the sea. They hear people cross over, and then the sea collapses on the people of, of Egypt, and then they're free. They escape, and they're free. Yay, the story's over. But is that the end of the story? And the answer, of course, is no. So here's here I'm going to give you a few reasons uh, today for why it matters that we know the rest of the story. And I will say, trying to read the rest of the story may not be as exciting because there are some chapters in here that if you've ever tried to read the Bible, you go through a Bible reading plan, the second half of Exodus is the, probably the first big temptation to stop reading because you get a number of laws and then you get a, a big construction project where we're learning how the, the tabernacle is constructed. So it gets a little boring. But when we understand this in the ancient context, and I'm not going to read this all right, I'm just going to tell you the story. When, we, when you hear it, it's like, oh, this is big, this is significant, this makes sense. So I'm going to address three of these. So the first problem we run into is this, is we think the problem is that they are slaves and the thing they need is to be free. Now, in this first part of the conversation, we need to forget about the transatlantic uh, uh, slave trading that happened uh, and everything in America, right? Uh, it needs, that needs a conversation, but here we're just talking about an ancient story. And in chapter one, we're introduced to the problem, which if any good story gets you to the problem very quickly. And Exodus one sure does. And this Hebrew word avad appears a lot, whether it's a verb or as a noun, uh, different types of verbs. And this is a ver- This is a noun, or sorry, this is a word that basically has the ideas of uh, as a noun, it, it can mean servant or slave. And another form of the noun, it can mean work or worship or service. As a verb, it can mean to work, to worship, or to enslave. It has a lot of different uh, ideas connected to this root word. And the first fascinating idea, just pulling up to the side for a moment, is the idea that work and worship are not viewed as separate ideas to the ancient Hebrew people. That's pretty fascinating. We should probably do an episode on that someday. Um, but for now, here's what's worth uh, mentioning is the clear problem is that they are slaves to Pharaoh and the way he treats them is terrible. He's absolutely mistreating them. And in the ancient world, Pharaohs, uh, like in much of the ancient Near East, they viewed themselves as gods or demigods. And so he's lording over these people and terribly mistreating them. And that is indeed a problem. But whenever we end the story after they flee Egypt, it makes it seem like all we just needed to be was free. And I think at least in modern uh, 21st century American culture, this feels great. Because to us, freedom is the ultimate goal. It's that it's I am in the state where I do the things I want to do, and I'm not inhibited or constrained by anything to stop me from that. And oftentimes, uh, villain, villains or, or, or thinking maybe in America that is wrong is anything that stops me from doing what I want. 
And it's all about embracing my truth, speaking my truth, living myself the way I want to do. And so this feels really good. The thing is, that's not how the story is portrayed. Maybe you remember whenever God sends Moses uh, to speak to Pharaoh, there's a really famous line he says, let my people go, let my people go, right? Fantastic line, makes for epic points in those of uh, the famous Exodus movies. But it's not the whole thing that Moses says. God tells him to say this. Uh, there are a few times where when Moses says this is exactly what he says. It's let my people go that they may worship me. Let my people go that they may serve me. That word for serve or worship is the same word. Translators, depending on your Bible translation, they'll choose one or the other, but both ideas are present. That's the goal. It's not just let my people go that they can just do whatever they want and be free and just run around. It's let my people go, let my people go that they may serve me. That word for serve is the same word used to describe uh, the, the Hebrew people in relation to Pharaoh in Exodus chapter 1. So the problem is that they're connected to the wrong king. And that wrong king is mistreating them, is abusive toward them, and very wrong. The answer is not just freedom. Yes, it's, it's getting away from the bad king. But what they needed was to get connected to the true king, that they would serve and worship God. And of course, the way that God treats them is wonderfully, beautifully, holistically, healthily, wanting them to have life and life more abundantly. That's everything that God is about. But that is what they needed to do. And sure enough, what you see after they cross over the sea and they've left Egypt is they go to Mount Sinai, where God initiates a relationship with them. And then God gives them commands of things to do and things not to do. That here's how things work. Here is how our relationship's going to go. And these are the type of ways you're going to live because you're going to be a holy nation. You're going to be a nation of priests. You're going to connect somehow in the future of the story. You are going to connect the rest of the world to me. The ultimate goal where all of us are in God's presence, intimate with him, living in his love, living in the life that we experience from him, and loving each other and flourishing on the earth. And that's the ultimate goal. But in order to do that, we have to get connected to the right king. So one other way we miss this connection is that Hebrew, uh, often translators will translate the Hebrew word evid, which is the noun for servant or slave, or the verb avad, which can mean to work or to serve or to be a slave for. They'll, they'll look at any context where it sounds bad, and they'll use slave where it sounds good as servant. And I understand why we do that based on the recent history in America. I understand why we do that because we don't want this to, them to think of you're a slave to God in a very bad sense um, like it was in, in America. But it's a different thing. So, so anyhow, what you have is that these people are supposed to get connected to the one true king. And in fact, Paul, whenever he speaks about his relationship to Jesus, he calls himself a bondservant or a slave of Christ in his letters. Paul, uh, Moses is referred to as a slave of God. And this being an evid Adonai, this is an idea for Moses, for, for, um, for Paul, and even some of the Psalms. They say, praise the Lord, O you servants of God. So what's the takeaway for this for us is remembering that the goal is not just I'm going to be free, which means I can do whatever I want, because that is itself, it's a deceit and a lie, because ultimately we're going to be a slave to something. You can even be a slave to, a slave to our own desires. We can be a slave to our society, and it ultimately leaves us empty, leaves us broken, and what we need is to get connected to the true Lord, to the true King, who is Jesus.
So that's the first big idea explained very quickly, but hopefully that makes sense. Uh, if you want more on this, again, always feel free to reach out to me on Facebook at Hear Bible Insights if you want to hear more and get deeper into some of these things. That's the first idea. We get connected to the right king. Uh, another big idea that's important is this. As you see in the beginning of the story, the problem is, is that they're slaves to Pharaoh. But when you read the rest of the story after they cross over the sea, we find out uh, very quickly by the way they treat each other, the way they treat Moses, the way they treat God, that these Hebrew people, yes, they are now free from slavery to Pharaoh, but they are still slaves to sin. And this sin is such a problem that it literally causes intimacy problems, relationship problems between the Hebrew people and God who wants to be with them. Uh, the, probably the worst moment of this, whole, of this whole second half of Exodus is, um, is it Mount Sinai? Some of the imagery used is kind of like that of a wedding ceremony. There's a covenant relationship about to happen. And basically on the honeymoon night, the people of Israel sleep with someone else. This is where they decide to make a different God for themselves that they will worship. Can you imagine if, if someone, one of your friends told you they got married on the honeymoon, they found out that someone cheat that their, their, their spouse cheated on them on the honeymoon night. How heartbreaking and how terrible is this? And, and first off, what would you what would you say to your friend if your friend said that they wanted to get divorced? Man, I tell you what, it would feel very reasonable. I just can't imagine what it would be like to have someone to do that type of thing to. Yeah, that's the people uh, people the hear people do to God. And what's amazing is God is heartbroken, he's angry, but he still chooses to stay with the people. And and what you see is this is this is one of many stories to follow of God's great faithfulness to his people in spite of their unfaithfulness. And it's great hope for us as we see that God continues to pursue us. And uh, this kind of leads to the last important big picture idea for Exodus. I'm kind of blazing through these really quickly, you know, not going really deep dive, but just trying to give you more of the big picture stuff to make sure that's important to think of when you think of the book of Exodus. Is the book of Exodus also ends on a cliffhanger. In fact, every major story, every major section of the Hebrew Bible, like any good story, ends on a cliffhanger. Think of any great TV show you've watched. The first episode, it's got to hook you, right? Hopefully the rest is good, but then also the, set, the last episode of the season is going to leave you on a cliffhanger where you want more. And that's what happens in the book of Exodus. So as I just said, there's this intimacy challenge because of the unfaithfulness of the Hebrew people. And so God wanted to be with the people, but this isn't, this isn't going to happen anymore. Uh, not in the way that God wanted it. And so what God tells Moses is this. All right, Moses, I want you to build a tent, put it outside the camp, outside the camp of the people, and you can meet me there. And so basically the way that Moses experiences God is going to be somewhere outside of where the people are. And so this, the whole second half of the book of Exodus is, is talking about instructions for building a tabernacle. Uh, this is a temporary build, a temporary thing that would get built up and then taken down as they traveled. Later, it became a permanent place called the temple, which you're probably more familiar with. And there are a lot of chapters about this. It can get kind of boring. I remember one time asking God, like, why? Why are there so many chapters about this? It just feels boring to read. And honestly, it's no more interesting reading them in Hebrew, in my opinion. But then I felt, I really felt like, I, uh, you know, God speaking my heart saying this, right? 
is that if God puts so much effort and care into the earthly temple, how much more does God give attention to us who we are now God's temple? When you you think about what Paul says, right, how we are, about how we are, uh, you know, the temple, we are now, our bodies are the living temple of God. Uh, It's just amazing to think about that. Now, in terms of the story of Exodus, though, what's something that really matters is this. It's that tabernacle, that place is where God's presence is going to go. And after many, many, many chapters of building, finally this thing is built. And Moses, the greatest prefigure, the greatest figure before Jesus in the story of the Hebrew people, he's about to go in. He's about to go in and experience uh, God intimately in that way, to be close to him. Again, it's still not the overall ideal, but for this time period, that's that's the thing. That's, that's the, the goal right there. And so God's presence comes down upon the tabernacle. And Moses is about to go in, and then... He can't enter. He's not able to go in. This is crazy. This story's been building up to this for so long. God saved these people so that they could have a relationship with him, so that they could worship him and serve him. And then the people are unfaithful, but God chooses to continue to stay with these people, build this tabernacle. Uh, And Moses, he's going to go in, but he can't. And that's how the story ends. What a cliffhanger. We're thinking if Moses... The greatest pre-Jesus figure in the Bible, if he can't go in, who can go in? Who among us is able to experience God? And that's the cliffhanger of Exodus, and it leads beautifully into the story of Leviticus, where the first line of Leviticus says that God called out to Moses from inside the tent, from inside this tabernacle. And, And then what we see in Exodus is, uh, at least contextual, what we see is, is a path forward. And the main part of this path forward is sacrifice. And we start to see this principle already at this point in the Hebrew Bible, where sacrifice is somehow a key part of the path of the, of the way forward to, to go back and be able to have that intimacy with God. And of course, we uh, Leviticus brings up its own problems that we see in Aaron and his sons and the Levites, who are supposed to be the ones that were helping to connect people to God. And we see we see in, inefficiencies in this. And so it's it's hard to not want to move forward to Jesus and think about Jesus as the ultimate sacrifice, the one who became a sin offering for us, for our sin, uh, that we could be forgiven. And that we are now able to experience an intimacy with God unlike ever before. And that we are now God's temple and God's spirit lives within us. And when we read this ancient story of Exodus, I think we appreciate our present reality even more. This thing that they looked forward to so much. So Exodus 15, the last chapter where we get the crossing of the sea, that's, that's uh, like watching 45 minutes of a two-hour movie. When we see the rest, we realize that this story is not just about freedom, it's about serving the right king. It's not just about being free from Pharaoh, it's realizing that, yeah, we can maybe be freed from certain things in our life, but if we're not connected to the one true God, we end up still being slaves to sin. It doesn't matter how much success we have, it doesn't matter how much achievement we have or whatever it is, is we still need to get connected to God because otherwise we're still going to be slaves to sin, and that's another problem that needs to be dealt with. Then we learn about the challenge of experiencing God intimately in the way that he wants and the cliffhanger that Exodus ends us with. So anyhow, uh, that's quick. I don't even know how long we've been going in this episode. Um, 
but there's a lot of information in Exodus and that I've just gone over in, in just under 20 minutes. And so this is something that can get fleshed out. We can maybe do more podcast episodes to dig deeper into these. But hopefully those are some other themes as you read Exodus, as you reflect and meditate on the story that we think about some of these other aspects. So again, I'm sure we'll do more episodes in Exodus because there's a lot of gold in there. It's one of my favorite books. Um, but otherwise, uh, thank you guys for uh, joining this conversation. And I look forward to seeing you guys in the next one. Thanks for listening to the episode today. Uh, you can find the podcast on Apple, Google, and Spotify Podcasts. You can find me on Facebook at Hebrew Bible Insights. And if you want to give financially to support, you can find me at Patreon at Hebrew Bible Insights. And I uh, hope this episode uh, encouraged you to, uh, to love God and love others like never before. And uh, we'll see you guys in the next episode.